This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Monday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Andrew Sharp, one half of the goats, and uh, I'm I'm excited to have you here, Andrew. How how are you doing? What's going on? I've been hosting a basketball podcast for like the last five months. And for four of those months, we have not had any basketball to discuss. So Hell yeah. I think I, like many others, I'm pretty excited to have basketball coming back to life here. How does that work? How have you figured out stuff to talk about uh, on the GOAT? Which everybody should subscribe to on, um, let's see, the GOAT, uh, the supporting cast, Evan, I believe is the actual term. It's, well, you to make it easier for people, yes. you can just go to greatest of all talk dot mm-hmm. com and that will take you to the subscription page we we were trying to put out like goat.supportingcast.fm for several months and we realized several months in that like maybe it would be a good idea to just make it simpler for people so we've simplified it now greatest of all talk.com and you could subscribe we've been a lot of fun i mean i don't know how anybody in the content business survived the last couple months trying mm-hmm. to like come up with topics and keep it reasonably lighthearted as like society was going through a full blown crisis. And I think a lot of us were kind of pretty depressed in our like personal time. Um, but Ben and I managed to get a lot of mileage out of the Jordan documentary, bounce around a bunch of kind of evergreen basketball debates and, uh, and, we had fun and the podcast wound up being like a really healthy outlet for us because again, if not for that, I think we would just be reading the news like everybody else and getting progressively more panicked and depressed. Yeah. Um, also look no further. If you're looking for just a, a, um, an instruction as to what to do, uh, without sports as a whole, y'all just had basketball. I'm doing daily podcasts <laughs> Monday through Friday with <laughs> everything sure. with no sports. I am, scraping the bottom of the barrel daily sir like it is a i have i am so ready for sports to be back because now i'm just like i put in my deuce trying to figure out what i was going to do when I did. <laughs> like i am it's been hard like having to figure out how just to do different stuff i mean 
But you know what? You and I, we conquered, Andrew. Um, yeah, that's right. It is. It. It's kind of like the ultimate test, I would say. It's like if you can thrive in the conditions over the last couple of months where there's literally nothing happening, yes. uh, then you can kind of survive anything at this point. I will tell you, I do not miss the last dance conversations on the pods because not mm. not yours in particular. I'm saying across the board. I will go ahead and tell you Monday mornings, I used to look forward to all the different NBA stuff that I could catch up on. And like, that was the start to the podcast week. So like, yes, I have my own, right. but like, I love running and reading and driving to different stuff like y'all's no dunks, all that kind of stuff. But all of them were talking about the last dance. And I knew week to week that that's all my podcast feed would be, would just be last dance conversations where everyone's just saying this essentially the same thing. And um, oh, I was yeah. fucking miserable. I couldn't do it. I was so mad at just seeing <laughs> Last Dance follow up. I hated it so much. I never did it on this podcast, not once, because I did. I didn't care. I was like, we, "This has already happened. This is not interesting to me. None of this is uh, whatever. Oh, I don't want any of it." I, I I identify because first of all, it was funny because like everyone was so desperate for content yes. that before the Last Dance even aired, there were like two weeks where every NBA pod started to talk about Michael Jordan. So mm -hmm. it was like an even longer period than the documentary itself, because then after the final episode, there were another week or two where it was like, okay, let's talk about the documentary as a whole and to pay Jordan's legacy. And why did they ignore the Wizards years? And it really turned into like two and a half months of Jordan. And yeah. I remember there were a couple podcasts I recorded with Ben Golliver where like I popped on and was like, let's talk about something other than Michael Jordan yes. and Golliver, who's like a big Jordan stand was like, how can you ignore this like massive documentary? And so we, we had some that shit fun down. back Golliver, and forth about. Andrew, you can do this. I believe you can do this. I Golliver's been on this podcast multiple times. Love Golliver. Uh -huh. um, you got to You got to You got to sun him. Essentially, you got to you got to step up there. And I now have this over Gulliver because he remembered that I called the Raptors winning the title two summers ago. Like I. And oh, wow. Yeah. So it's at that point, it, he's just kind of if I don't want to talk about the last dance on a podcast or Gulliver wants to go down a weird Giannis Inc. rabbit hole, I can just go ahead and shut that down because uh, <laughs> yeah, play the Raptors card. It. That's right. No Good more for Gullivar. you. I like it. <laughs> um, but we'll get into my other take that I exposed to Gulliver last. Uh, I think it was last last month. But I'm not feeling great about it. But I am feeling great about it in 2020, 2021. We're just not there. Um, last thing, okay. on Gulliver. Do you believe he is going to be the same person after leaving the bubble? Because what we've seen so far, I mean. I'm concerned. I mean, I I, I don't know if what's gonna what he's gonna be like after after all this. What do you think? I well, I think it's a good question. It's unanswerable at the moment. I, he he handled the seven day quarantine better than I would have. He was leaning into the absurdity, recording ridiculous viral videos of himself planking and walking back and forth across his hotel room for hours on end. At like. Had it been me, I would have been like having fun with it for a day or two. And then I would have been looking around like I need to get the fuck out of this hotel room. <laughs> like I got to do something. And Gulliver uh, managed to uh, keep things under control. And he was freed officially on Sunday afternoon and was out taking photos of bullfrogs and lizards <laughs> and various Florida life um, down there. So like. 
I don't know. I mean, for now, he's remaining on brand. But, who, like, over the next three months, anything is possible, which I think is true for everyone in the bubble. And it's the one reason I'm jealous is that, like, everyone down there is in it together. And I imagine that there are going to be some great stories that come out of all of this. But at the same time, I mean, I believe you're in Atlanta, right? Yes. Okay, so Atlanta, D.C., Orlando, like these are not fun places to be in like the thick of August. And Orlando is probably like the worst of all three. And so like it is in some ways the crappiest place in America right now. Yeah. Uh, And so it's going to be a real adventure for everyone on the ground down there. But um, I'm just happy that I have like an inside source who can tell me what's really going on. Um, SeaWorld in mid July when I was like 13 was still like the hottest I've ever been on this planet. Like just, (laughs) it was fucking miserable. Like I do not like, I, yeah, no Orlando in midsummer is just a, um, an albatross. And I would highly, it's really bad. It's, it's been like underplayed as people are talking about how like crazy the bubble is and, and how hard this is like, just like, the day-to-day life walking around like 95 degree heat yeah. with hundred percent humidity has been underrated because like we all go to like the NBA media is in Vegas every summer around this time of year. And it's like 110 degrees, but you don't also have the humidity like taunting you and terrorizing you everywhere you go. Um, so uh, let's hope the AC is working. If, if nothing else um, uh, in the Epcot like campus set up there. Can you imagine if like, it, the NBA lucked out here with it being indoors, but like the, an outdoor bubble um, in Orlando in July, August, like them doing a season just outside and all these games every other yeah. day in this, like I did just, oh my God. Um, if you were given the option sharp, would you have gone to the bubble? Um, Probably not. I, think I wouldn't either. I would have. Yeah, I would have tried to carve out, like, I'm sure there will will be some people who do exactly this. I would imagine, like, Zach, um, Zach Lowe will probably be able to, like, go down for a couple playoff rounds as things heat up. And if the NBA is able to make it that far, so you're committing to, like, a month away from everyone you know and love as opposed to, like, three months. Um, And so, like, that I, I do think like getting to see and experience some of it would be phenomenal, but like the all in package for three months is like, it's a lot to ask of anybody. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't want to be restrained that much. I don't want to be, I would just break the rules. Like I would get kicked out very quickly. Like I would do something to get me removed from the bubble very early on in the process. I would just, uh, I'm not the most like conscientious person around right uh, my house and everything like that where i just i don't pick up on the little things i just overlook stuff because i'm just thinking about like J- how jr smith's gonna fit in as the ninth guy in the lakers <laughs> i'm not really thinking about just little things that i should be seeing right in front of me i've been called a mole rat by a close friend of mine because i have a very mole ratting tendency where it's just very uh-huh. very tunnel vision and i'm not uh i'm always just daydreaming about something random and just walking into stuff so it's just i would get I would do some kind of protocol breakage and it would uh, be a quick thing where they're like, yeah, this guy's got to go. Um, he's not going to be. I, w- I would definitely be at risk of the same. I, I would not 
consciously break the rules, mm-hmm. but like there's a good chance I would unwittingly stumble into some section of the property yeah. where I'm not allowed. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'd be put on probation or something. Yeah, I, I would definitely have to be careful down there because they're taking it really seriously. That's one thing Ben told me offline. He was like, yeah, you, you can't screw around. So, um, which is good ultimately. I mean, the NBA should be taking it seriously. So I think that means that both you and I would probably break the rules somehow. There we go. Um, the We'd bad be in the Rashawn Holmes category. <laughs> yeah. Bad boys, Thomas and Sharp. Look out, folks. That's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, what is your spiciest on-court bubble take? Ooh, um, spicy take. It's hard because I haven't seen basketball for like four months. Um, I do think that the Celtics are going to the finals, which isn't I like love that this. Okay. spicy. Yeah, it's 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 tricky because like among um, smart basketball media, the type of media that is online like twenty four hours a day, everyone is like all in on the Bucks, and like if you look at the Bucks analytics, they are like leaps and bounds beyond anyone in the East and, um, and are historically good as a regular season team. But I just think that the Celtics have like the tools to play them pretty tough. The Bucks now won't have home court advantage. And, um, and I, I really like what the Celtics are bringing to the table. And Kemba Walker's injury is a little bit of a wild card. Um, but I think it's going to come down to Milwaukee or Boston I'm sorry. I did say from what you've said thus far, it seems like you're a Raptors fan. I'm not really oh, a, no, Raptors I'm not a Raptors believer. fan. No, 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 no. I was a Kawhi okay. with depth fan where that is the perfect recipe to just wreck the rest of the league. Like I like the veteran. I, I like the veterans they surrounded him with. I like that. They were going to be able to manage his loads. And, um, I just, I, <laughs> I uh, I liked everything about them. And I just, I thought it was the right mix of veteran leadership one superstar and just depth all across the board. Like the Raptors were actually kind of hindered during the DeRozan Lowry years of having too much depth and not the right superstar, but they were able to bring Kawhi in without sacrificing that depth and just in the yep. NBA gauntlet. It's really hard to take down a team that is full of veterans, full of young depth too. And then just the one superstar who can just do everything you need to late in games. And we saw that with the shot selection of Giannis versus Kawhi in that series after game two. Um, totally. He just does. Something yeah. Different. I mean, I, I was, I was right there with you, um, last year. Uh, I was about to say around this time, but last year around this time, basketball was over. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> last, last year on the way into the playoffs, though, I was, um, I, I basically said on one podcast, we did a segment on the Raptors and I said like, you know, like the table is set for Kawhi to come through over the next three or four months and like establish himself as the best player on the planet. Uh, mm-hmm. The throne was sort of vacant last year. And, uh, and I didn't quite go as far as you did. And I mm. regret it to this day. I should have just said, look, Kawhi is the best one-on-one scorer on yes. the planet and is going to go through and establish himself as the best player in the league. Um, but I didn't quite get there, but yeah, I mean, all the tools were there with that Raptors team and this Raptors team is even better. I think on the margins or, or at least not any worse. Like the, the depth is really solid. Siakam has taken a step forward. The issue for them though, is that, you know, when you go back to that playoff run as great as everybody was, 
every big Raptors win generally featured like two or three massive Kawhi shots that were just completely demoralizing. And I just don't think they have a guy who can hit those shots this year. I like Lowry and Siakam are, are not on that level um, yeah. in the half court. And so if to me, I think like the real contenders uh, in the East, at least are Milwaukee, Boston, and I'm not willing to write off Philly. That oh, would God. be the spicy, spicy take. Oh, <laughs> um, but I think that the, the, the Philly situation is interesting because like, I'd say probably eight out of 10 times you simulate these playoffs, the Sixers will totally self combust and um, like probably flame out in the first round and leave Orlando pointing fingers at each other and demanding trades. And like, it's going to be a mess. Brett Brown will probably get fired, but I do think like there is a scenario in which the Sixers just like overpower people and um, make every game they play incredibly ugly and fight their way to the finals. So I'm not, I can't write them off entirely. Well, let me do that for you. Um, I'm writing the Sixers off Fair entirely. Yeah, uh, they don't have the shooting. Their half court offense still sucks. They don't have Jimmy Butler, and Tobias Harris is not Jimmy Butler. Um, and to go for back, sure. if I'm a Philly fan, I'm sick at the Kawhi shot for a multitude of reasons. But I think if they win that game, the Philly wins the title last year too. I really believe that. And oh yeah, that just sucks because I was so annoyed at Jimmy for not just going back because I really thought that team would have won the East this year if they had just run it back one more time with that group. It made sense, and I just I don't know. They uh, I have not liked what they've done for the last year. The Horford stuff. We'll see. I don't know if you can. Oh, that. I like, mean, it's, it's just it's, I don't like anything they've done. They don't yeah. deserve it. I, they've just gone backwards. <laughs> I'm annoyed at everything Philly right now. So no, I will write them yeah. off. Yeah. I don't think anyone in the East is actually contender. So when we say contenders, like I don't think any of them actually should be favored or have a real shot at being the Lakers, Clippers, or my Western Conference team that I think is the equivalent of your Boston Celtics take in the East. Uh huh. It's Houston. Houston, their two best players. Interesting. Already, like I mean, they're ready. And Houston, I was listening to um, a. Locked on Rockets a couple weeks back, and Jackson Gatlin was on this podcast, and we talked about this, where like D'Antoni and Mori have already like mapped out how they have to expand the rotations for this kind of situation, that D'Antoni is not going to stick to his normal 7-8 guys in the playoffs. They're going to go to 9-10. Westbrook and Harden were just... The, Harden wasn't playing well when they were winning in February. Like Harden was having a really, really tough time. He was struggling. Westbrook was flourishing. Yep. I love Rocco and PJ in the 4-5. Like... And every other day situation is the perfect D'Antoni situation for a, a title run where they can just outrun everybody and the people who are not conditioned well are going to get run off the floor. I think these five are going to be in great shape. And I I would not be surprised if this is like the perfect vacuum for a D'Antoni team to finally break through and win. And I also am rooting for it. Um, the Hawks are not in. So it's like I, I, I can just latch on kind of like what I did with the Raptors last year. I am latching on yeah. to the Rockets just because of the chaos of a Rockets title win with Westbrook and Harden and how NBA Twitter would handle this kind of win and what Daryl Moore would be like on Twitter, what this entire, like everything about it, Tillman Fertitta getting a title 
already for just sure everything Tillman, is Tillman amazing could pop up on cnbc trying to like auction off the, the larry ring. o'brien trophy <laughs> to cover some of his debt yeah no i mean look it'd be amazing i there's no question the rockets would be the most entertaining champion for the sake of the basketball internet and just the hilarity of all of this um i want to believe because I, I too am rooting for that outcome I, like i've never really been a rockets guy but at the same time, I look at like this this setup over the next couple months, and I just can't resist rooting for the most absurd outcome imaginable. And a Rockets title fits the bill on that front. Uh, the one thing that I worry about, like actually on the court, is that I think that those guys will have success, sort of junking things up and throwing curveballs at teams for the first game or two of a seven game series. But then like once the Lakers, for instance, get into a rhythm, because I go back to like the first game they played with that super small ball lineup, I believe was against the Lakers. It was either the first or second uh, game they played. It was a late night game. I remember that. Yeah, it, it was a late night game and the Lakers lost that game and you could tell they just had no idea what to do. Like they were trying to throw it to Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis trying to post up like six, five PJ Tucker. And he's like 17 feet from the rim. And they're just like, I guess trying to run plays, but they, they really like just had no rhythm whatsoever. And when the Rockets are able to disrupt people's rhythm with that small ball lineup, like they're going to have a lot of success because they can score for sure. Um, and so they, they get pretty dangerous that way, but I do think like give the Clippers three or four or five games, give the Lakers four or five games. And, uh, these teams are going to be able. Optimism and, um, I, 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 well, I don't share your optimism actually, I, I have the same dream, so I hope we get there. I like it. We all we all should want this and we all should root for chaos because it's going to be weird and I'd rather something weird happen here than just the like I would honestly be kind of disappointed if we get Bucks Lakers. That would just kind of be a bummer to me. And I and I understand Lakers and Bucks fans obviously want that to happen, but like if it just played out that normally, I don't know, part of me would be yeah. like, yeah, this is a little eh. Do we really need to actually do the playoffs? It's almost like we ran the simulation exactly how it was supposed to. And it's like, <laughs> I, what was the point of all this? We figured it was going to be like this. Just crown who, I, I don't know. That's that's what I'm going well, back and forth on. I agree with you. And the, the matchup that I'm predicting is Clippers-Celtics. Mm. And I think part of that is me picking with my heart because I think a Celtics-Clippers series would just be a lot more entertaining than a Bucks lakers series. I agree. In part because like, the Bucks and Lakers, they just don't have that many good players. You've got like Giannis, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Chris Middleton. Those four guys are elite, and Middleton is like has one foot in that category and one foot out. Whereas if you put the Celtics and Clippers on the court, there are like eight or nine guys that are a lot of fun to watch. Maybe not, not as many who are like annual MVP candidates, but they're more like good, well-rounded basketball players in that series. Are you at all interested in the NBA's NIT setup in Chicago? Um, I, you know what, I, I, to be honest with you, haven't really been following it. Is it, is that really going to happen? Because it was one of those things where like they were, they 
started to sort of seed the idea of that one Friday afternoon and it was like the end of the week. And I was like, um, I don't really even have time to pay attention to what's happening here. <laughs> and then I haven't heard much about it since. So are they really going to try to make that happen? The last thing I read was like a week ago where the Chicago mayor was on board with it. Um, and I think, I mean, it, the, it, the report was they were finalizing plans. But that was a week ago. So I don't know if they're wow. still finalizing. Um, Look, I think that's going to be more entertaining than the first round of the NBA playoffs. I really do, because I think those guys, the difference being, I think it's going to be far more competitive. It's going to be uglier. It's going to be just a mess. And I, I'm i 100% here for Zach Levine versus Trey Young going for 50 each and not really. <laughs> like that's that's going to be more entertaining for then. That's going to be more entertaining than like the Spurs, maybe stealing the eight seed and playing the Lakers for in four games. Like I would much rather watch two bad teams, just sacrifice defense and just go off. That would be more entertaining for a couple of days. It's hard for me to say, uh, because I think like right now, my standards for what I'm willing to watch and get <laughs> excited about are so low <laughs> that I'm like, Look, if you're telling me Trey Young and Zach Levine are going to play one on one for eight hours straight, like, yeah. of course I'll watch. Like, I'm up for whatever. But I wonder whether, like, once we have real playoff basketball, and then people are like, "Yeah, go watch Cam Reddish and um, the the Bulls," and like, I, I don't I don't know how excited I'll be. But uh, the truth is, like, I'm never going to say no to more basketball. Number one, and number two if they like create this tournament and, and somehow incentivize teams like with some future draft picks or something like then I would be all the way in. That's probably too good to be true, but yeah, but I'll, I'll support it one way or another. Would you rather coach if you're a, you're a head coaching candidate? Um, let's just say that you have experience. Would you rather coach the Knicks situation right now, walk into the World Wide West, Leon Rose front office and work with them and the young players and RJ Barrett and everybody else in this open canvas. Or mm -hmm. would you rather walk into coaching Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant for a couple of years? What would you prefer? Ooh, that is a really good podcast debate. I don't know. I told you I'm a professional shark. This is what I was doing. Yeah, I I was you are. those knives as the months went on with no content. How do I get better? This How do I prepare myself for Andrew Sharp? <laughs> yeah, this is it. Oh, three to four months of Navy SEAL <laughs> podcast training. Um, yeah, it's tough, man. I, I would not want to be in either one of those scenarios. I think I might try to take the Knicks job Same. first. Um just because you're going to get more runway and more reasonable expectations. The one thing that I worry about on that Knicks side, though, is that like they go through coaches literally every 18 months. And yeah. that's like probably the only thing that J James Dolan has written down in terms of his organizational philosophy <laughs> is like, all right, well, we're going to fire this coach when things don't work. I mean, Larry and Bird basically restart. had that too. <laughs> Right? Well, didn't he say what was his philosophy? Three years, and then they t finally start tuning you out. I think that's what he believed in. Is you had that to, sounds yeah. right? Yeah, and so I I worry about that Knicks situation. So actually, let me change my answer as oh, I think no. it through. I I think I'm going with Kyrie and KD because mm. look, if you're a coach, you're only as good as the players you have, and the, and really more specifically, you're only as good as the superstars you have. 
And you'd be starting out with KD, who is one of the three best players in the world. Mm-hmm. Kyrie, really all over the map in terms of how he's valued and who he is on any given night. But you at least know that he's got a real superstar feeling. And then I do think that the the Nets have a few pieces that they can move around and they're going to go and try and get a third guy. Um, they, they have their eyes on Bradley Beal and they just frankly don't have enough to get him, but like they'll get somebody. So I think I would try my hand at the KD Kyrie situation and, and hope for the best because if you're with the Knicks, like you come in on day one and you're like, all right, well maybe we'll sign somebody in two or three years and, and then you end up waiting there and what has happened to every coach who's been there for the last 15 years is that they run out of time before any anything real ever materializes. I would just rather build something. I'm a builder rather than like that final piece just seems like there's never like Tyron Lou, age 17 years, one year into Cleveland and dealing with the LeBron Kyrie stuff. He won a title, but like I, I just I think whoever is walking into that job like is just going to be miserable. For, oh yeah, I, I think it's a miserable <laughs> job. Like the Knicks, like there's no expectations, and honestly, Knicks fans have been beaten into submission so much the last couple of years, and just the absolute failure of going from the picture of Zion, uh, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie photoshopped in a Knicks uniform to where they're at now, that any sort of positivity and stability is going to be celebrated. Like if Frank Nilakina even becomes a passable offensive player that you can actually play for 12 minutes a night, Frankie Smokes being back, that's enough. Yep. Knicks fans already love you again. Um, I would just rather do that. Well, the bar is low. I'm a, let's just clear the low bar person. That's, that's what I am. That is fair, but I think you're, you are getting close to the true answer to this question, which is that being an NBA coach is just shitty almost no matter yeah. where you go. <laughs> so, like, true. I think it's like a thankless existence. There are a few people who seem to have cracked the code. I would put Popovich in that category. I, don't think I would he enjoys put. It anymore. Um, he may not. Like Dan Tony seems to really enjoy it yeah. and, and and take the right approach. Um, but like Steve Kerr, for instance, mm. has had like the most charmed existence a coach could ever have. And then also like mm. anytime you see him interviewed about it, like he's his back is sore. He's like incredibly stressed out. And I, I sometimes look at him and I'm like, Steve, like you could have the greatest life, do like any number of jobs in and around basketball. And yet you choose to put yourself through this grind year after year. Although I do think Kerr was probably happier this past season, just like developing guys and coaching the fundamentals than he was trying to like grind to a title every year. So it's it's a a, a riddle Chris into becoming a rotation player than keeping Kevin Durant happy. I think I would choose the former. Right. And knowing that anytime you fail, the entire world is going to be blaming it on you. And it just was like, I I think you watch guys go through it and you're like, man, that does not look fun. Uh, But clearly, I mean, there's something the coaches are wired a certain way to where they're addicted to that rush um, and the, yeah. the chase every year. So, um, but I, I'm not wired that way. So if you gave me the Knicks job or the Nets job, I'd be like, you know what? Let me take a front office job and <laughs> just sidestep dealing with this snake pit uh, month after month. Yeah. 
I think coaching just in general sucks. I'm not, it's almost like the whole teaching thing where you would rather do it than talk about it. Um, I don't know. I, I, coaching has never once crossed my mind as like, that looks fun. Um, and also just not being a, like a authoritarian figures, uh, just going against them naturally probably is part of that. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's, well, yeah. And there's also an aspect of it that is just incredibly difficult. And it's something that's not really discussed very often because mm. you, you see guys, in interviews like Popovich and Kerr are really authoritative and impressive as leaders. And they do sort of command respect naturally among the masses. But I mean, some of the superstars today are worth like 200 and $300 million and, and certainly worth like 10 times, whatever any coach is going to be worth. And um, that creates like some really bizarre power dynamics and navigating that requires a level of skill and patience that I, I probably don't possess. So Yeah, same. And we we should mention Rick Carlisle, who I actually think has the best uh, NBA coaching job. I really do. Mm. He's safe. He's been safe for like 10 years, and he's got his ring. He's going from Dirk to Luka for a 10-year stretch. Like, he, he lucked out. Like, Pop almost did going from Duncan to Kawhi, and he did have it briefly, but, like, I, I don't think... The last couple of years, he's uh, all that enjoyed coaching up Lonnie Walker. I don't think that um, has been the best experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think Rick Carlisle, I would guess, because like it seems like that triangle with him, Cuban, and Nelson have been on the same page for forever. So I, yeah, I think that's he's similar. also the classic, he's the classic example of someone who is just perpetually miserable, mm-hmm. but likes it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he like luxuriates in that like grinding intensity and would will do this for the rest of his life if he's allowed to because he's this is just like the way he's wired and um can we and it does seem this, like uh the, jeff gan what's jeff that? Van gundy itis can we can we <laughs> yeah i think so although van gundy seems pretty happy being the cranky guy on abc broadcast yeah. i'm sure there's a reason he hasn't gone back to coaching yeah i mean that's one of the best gigs I mean, you can have. I, Steve Kerr did it, and then he went back. I think it's just the competitiveness where people just miss it, and they miss the drive, and they miss competing against other coaches and teams and things like that. I think that's all it is. Um, For sure. Biggest concern with the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers? If you have to point to one thing for each that you're most worried about, what is it? Um, depth for each one. Depth um, on the Clippers, and, and okay. De- Depth, depth is crazy for the Clippers because they do have like a, a solid stable of mm. guys off the bench who everyone likes. Um, even if it's a guy like Jamichael Green, I think like people who've paid attention to the NBA over the last four or five years know that guy can play. Yep. But um, the, the Lakers, like the guard situation, I, I would be a little freaked out if I were them losing Rondo, uh, losing Avery Bradley, and. I, I think that like they're so top heavy and so good defensively that they will probably find a way to, to get to the conference finals regardless, which is where we always knew they'd end up. Um, but like it, it's, I, I would be a little uncomfortable. Um, so that's number one, it's going to be a real, real challenge for LeBron and asking them to, or asking LeBron to basically like be the creator and then also be the scorer who could kind of create offense at the end of games is a lot. It's a, it's a significant burden um, because AD isn't really that guy at the end of games. And so um, 
they've put a lot on LeBron's shoulders and it's going to be interesting to see whether he can deliver over the final two rounds of the playoffs if things get that far. And then the Clippers side, I just, uh, you know, it, Steph is great across the roster. They brought in um, Marcus Morris. They've got like a number of guys I like, but they still really only have like Patrick Beverly handling the ball. And, um, and they are still going to be really dependent on like Kawhi and Patrick uh, and Paul George when it, when it matters. And, um, and so I think like there's, there's, more questions there than um, we realize. I like, and then like the chemistry with Lou Williams and like, do you really want Lou will as part of that closing group? Cause he can handle the ball also, but like when he's handling the ball, he's generally generating offense for himself. Um, so it's going to be, I, I can't wait to see them try to do this, but like, we also haven't seen like a healthy Clippers team for the majority of the season. So I, th- I think they should be the favorites going into this, but I, there are, there are still some questions with them um, as they like finally come together and, uh, and try to make this run. Honestly, do you want to watch Troy Brown jr. And the wizards? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch them out of, out of nostalgia's sake. And because like, uh, as, basketball ceased to exist i did think to myself on several occasions like you know what i would like to watch a wizards game um which is not something i thought throughout Mm. the first five months of the regular season um so i will tune in to see one troy brown jr game check up on my guy Rui, Mm. and see how everybody's doing but then i will be shifting my focus to the teams that actually matter are you a Rui believer because i don't understand what he's actually going to be good at. Yeah. Well, he's a good scorer. He's active. Um, mm. Active he always scares is... me. Active is like code for bad. <laughs> and he's just, he tries hard. You know what else is active? No, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the deal. He's, he's got like a good NBA body and mm. seems pretty athletic. Um, so that's what active is code for here. Okay. But he doesn't have any idea how to play defense right now. And, um, that scares me because he's also like not stretched the floor either and isn't a great outside shooter. No. So like, is he Kenneth Fareed 2.0? Which is what you possibly. Yeah. I, I might've gone a different direction. Mm. I, I like if, if only because that particular draft, like everybody was kind of bad. Um, but you might as well in that case, like, swing for the fences and go for like a cam reddish and just say, all right, this is going to be like a three or four year project mm. or, uh, Seku Denboya, um, has shown some flashes with the Pistons, but like, yeah, the wizards got the guy who's going to average like 18 and 10 and yeah. get people's hopes up in his rookie season. And then like may never learn to play defense. So, um, I'm, I'm along for the ride regardless though. Yeah, and you know what? I still I would probably say he's got more long term upside than, uh, or he'll be in the league longer than Aiton and Marvin Bagley. Is that a spicy? Oh, I that's very spicy. I'm mm. I'm high on. I think Aiton's stock has fallen too low after like 18 straight months of Luca jokes in mm. Phoenix. I think Aiton might actually be good. Bagley, hard to say because he's literally he's healthy for two weeks will look pretty good and then we'll have some other nagging injury and so i I think like 
officially at this point, uh, the jury is out with him because he just needs to stay healthy for like a, a, a full season before we decide like what he's going to be. Yeah. Um, if there's a first round upset, which team is most likely to pull it off? Um, first round upset, I would say uh, Dallas. I Ooh, think they're going to scare okay. whoever they play. But it, it that that is entirely contingent upon them not playing like the Lakers or the Clippers. I think right now they're the seventh seed. Yeah, if they could sneak into six. I would say that they've got a good shot against who's whoever is in the three spot. So maybe that's the Nuggets, maybe that's the Rockets. Like I, they're going to be able to hang with anybody beyond the Lakers and Clippers. Mm. I would say the Thunder because I think the Thunder are not going to be a top four seed, and I think they're going to beat the first round team of whoever it is. Like if it's the Jazz, I would pick them against the Jazz. The Rockets, man, that's yep. that's worst case scenario. I mean, it's great for us if we get Rockets Thunder in the first round, just Chris Paul versus It would be phenomenal. Yes. I would love it. Um but I would probably hedge OKC. Like people don't realize how good OKC was um in the last couple months before the season stopped. It was uh they're one of the best teams in basketball and I uh I don't know, would not surprise me. Um last thing and we'll wrap up here sharp. Um, okay. It's time for me to unveil what I told Gulliver that um, is my spiciest take that I will still die on this hill. <sighs> Victor Oladipo, if he becomes who he was two years ago, puts the Pacers as the favorites of the Eastern Conference next year. That is, I'm a Victor Oladipo stan. I, he pushed LeBron to the brink when he's healthy. The Puget threes. Like I love their depth. I love the fact that they will never play a bad player on this planet. Like their rotation will always just be worst case scenario. It's just like an, a three point marksman and McDermott. They can play big. They can play small. Jeremy, like, Brogdon, the president, perfect next to him. Perfect next to him. Um, driving, slashing. Then you have Oladipo picking up the slack when he needs to. The two-headed monster of just two smart, strong, poised basketball players that uh, actually do things that matter in the playoffs. And you know what? Victor Oladipo, the most all-around interesting player in the Eastern Conference outside of Giannis. And I would take the Pacers in a seven-game series next year over the Bucks. This is <laughs> out of control. Um, did you have you seen the GIF where the skeleton <laughs> is chained to the chain link yes. fence? <laughs> yes, that is me uh, getting just my mind blown by this take. Uh, holy shit! The Pacers <laughs> never play a bad player, and in my head, I'm thinking like, yeah, that's you know that's true. Like TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb, like even at their worst, they're like solid rotation yes. pieces. You throw out Doug McDermott. To I said that's the that worst point. one. I said he was one of the third. He's one of the oh worst ones. Oh my god! But he shoots threes. Shoots about forty percent. You clip. also, I almost lost it when you're like Victor Oladipo pushed LeBron to the brink a couple years ago. <laughs> um, I can't get there. I it really was reminiscent to when. Do you remember when LeBron got scared or got annoyed when he saw Kawhi check back in? Yeah, saw a little bit of that with Victor Oladipo. Oh no, this guy. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I I just I really admire the audacity here. Next year's East is going to be super deep. I'm I'm thrilled because I'm going to get to stop hearing from Gulliver how weak the Eastern Conference is. They're going to have Boston, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn all with like real title shots. Maybe I mean God only knows what's going to happen with Philly. But um, there's no way I will ever throw Indiana into that conversation. But I love that you did. (laughs) It is a great way to end this little segment because I'm just completely speechless here. They they were going to win 40-something games this year. They're going to win 50-plus next year. Yeah. They're healthy. They have the top 10 defense. The offense was still almost top 15 without Victor Oladipo, without Brogdon. Pritchard's a good GM. McNeil's an <laughs> this is a team that uh, <laughs> they're coming. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Well, look, that's that's the beauty of this. It's like whatever happens in the bubble, we have the Indiana Pacers title run to look forward to in 2021. So God, I can't you know what wait. I cannot wait for Victor Oladipo. He's still going back and forth on playing. I hope he plays just so he can upend either Boston or Philly or Miami or whoever himself, and then you can just sit there and you're like, oh my god, Victor Oliva is going for 32, 6-6. Six and six. Chase is on to something here. I, oh, Dude, the, for yeah. sure. I Look, I worry about LeBron in that scenario. I mean, he seems like he's in a pretty comfortable headspace right now, but if he sees Oladipo right. getting suited up in round one, like yeah. I don't know how he wraps his mind around that <laughs> and how that affects the it. Lakers. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, something, it's something we should factor in. I'm glad you phrased it people people forget sharp this has been great i appreciate you making the time today we can check you out um on the greatest of all talk.com is anything else you would like to plug before we get out of here no man check out the goat we've been having a lot of fun greatest of all talk.com and uh yeah man this has been fun and uh good luck the next couple months it'll be nice to have some sports back to discuss every day no more navy seal training for us Absolutely not. Um, Sharp, go Pacers. We'll have to do this again soon. (laughs) All right. Take it easy, man. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.